All right. So Pastor Ben, last week, um, when, we, when he gets back, he's going to get into some of the minor prophets. The minor prophets are going to minister to the, the northern tribe, well, the northern ten tribes of Israel. And uh, the kings of the northern tribe, once um, Solomon dies, they're, they're actually all horrible. They lead people astray. They have bad teachings. Um, they have bad practices. They totally forsake the Lord. They think whatever's good, they just do it, and they're all wrong. And so when Ben comes back, he's going to spend time in the minor prophets ministering those prophets who minister to those northern tribes. All right? And we saw last week how God orchestrated the whole thing, where Jeroboam, who was a servant of Solomon, comes back from Egypt, and he takes over leadership and, and the kingship of the northern ten tribes. And Solomon's son, Rehoboam, he is the king of the two southern tribes, the tribe of Judah and Benjamin. They just call them Judah. So you got Judah on the, on, the, on the south and Israel on the north. And as we get into the next two weeks, I get this week, I'm going to talk about um, Elijah, and Elijah's a prophet to the northern tribe, and Andrew next week is going to talk about Elisha, who also ministers to the, the northern tribes. And, and they don't listen to him, and they don't listen to either of them. Um, so if you wouldn't mind, open your Bibles to 1 Kings 17. So when Solomon dies, his son takes over the, the southern tribe of, of um, Judah, and Jeroboam takes over the northern tribe of Israel, or the northern ten tribes. And um, we're going to see, we're going to meet uh, a gentleman named Elijah, who's a, a marvelous prophet. He, he basically gets introduced in the Bible out of nowhere. We get, bang, all of a sudden, he's, a, he's there talking. So five kings have now... Uh, ruled in the northern tribes of Israel. They're not very, very good. And it's been about 40 years until Ahab. And Ahab is a king who is disastrous, very close to Jeroboam. He's very, very bad. And he gets influenced by his wife, who's very, very bad. All right? Um, instead of listening to God, they listen to others. And that's always a very, very bad place to be. So 1 Kings chapter 17, 1 through 8. And this is all just background until we get to chapter 19. Just so I can see. Verse 1, and here we are, we introduced to him. And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went, and that is so awesome. The word of God comes to Elijah. He hears what he's supposed to do, and the simplest thing he did was a simple thing of faith. He went. Don't ever overlook that step of going. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan, and the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank by, uh, from the brook. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise and go to Zarephath which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So when he's introduced, when we're introduced to Elijah, getting a little bit of feedback there, but we're all right. I can talk very, very loud if I need to, Les, so just let me know. Um, the word of God comes to him, and he just simply follows, doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing, because the Lord said do it. So there's a drought, and then the Lord, everything dries up, and he goes, to, he's told, go to Zarephath, and, and there's a, a widow there who's going to provide for him. And, and if you guys know the story, he goes there, and she, he says, can you feed me? Can you, can, you, can, you, can you give me some drink? And she's like, I got nothing. Like, I, I, I'm out. So miraculously, God provides through jars that just never get empty. They just keep filling. And God does that. 
and it's just absolutely miraculous. His, the, the woman's wife, or the woman's son, dies. Being a man of prayer, and we're going to look at prayer in chapter 19, the child dies, and yet Elijah prays for her son, and her son comes back from the dead, brings him back. It's, it's amazing. It's like, wow. So we continue into chapter 18, verses 1 and 2. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. So three years earlier, he said to Ahab, It's going to be dry, no rain. God then says, Go tell him there's going to be rain. So Elijah went. How awesome is that? He just did what he's supposed to do. I cannot reiterate. I cannot reiterate. If he tells you to do something, just do it. it it's so, you know, we overcomplicate it so much. We, we do. And yet here's a man who just, just do what he asks you to do. God doesn't ask you to do anything terribly miraculous. He says, go. Okay, I'll go. And the hardest thing is that step of faith. It's the hardest thing. But I'm going to tell you this. You access grace by faith. You access grace by faith. And I'm going to tell you, I, didn't, I actually didn't even prepare that. So I don't know who you are in here that needs to hear that. But that's from God. Grace is acti activated by faith. Take the step and all of a sudden it opens up for you. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. And there was a severe famine in Samaria. Progressing forward in the story, verse 17 of chapter 18. Then it happened, when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said to him, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? What a way to, to, to greet someone. Obviously, Elijah and Ahab didn't get along because Ahab didn't like the word of God, and Elijah talked the word of God. Verse 18, so Elijah answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the Baals. Now therefore, send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Ashtoreth, who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel. Remember, this is all the people up in the ten tribes, the north, northern side. That's where he's ministering to. And he gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel, and Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Because the people didn't want to commit to God. They had all followed after their own ways. They followed after the wrong ways. They knew of God. They knew all about him, but they didn't want him, which is so sad, so sad. And the story goes on where the prophets of Baal are, are told, come on, make your altar, do whatever you want. So they make an altar, they start cutting themselves, they're, they're dancing around, they're trying to do whatever they can to get their god Baal to come down and send fire. And nothing happens. And nothing happens. And Elijah, being a lot like probably all of us, he taunts him. Where's your God? Is he asleep? I mean, come on. You're, this is a joke. Not a great way to get people to, to, to follow the Lord. Um, and then he says, okay, it's my turn. So he makes an altar. He puts all the stuff on uh, all the, the cuts of meat and everything on there, and he, he tells the guys, hey, pour some water on it. And you know what? Do it again. Oh, you know what? Make it so wet, there's no way this could ever do it. So he pours it again, do a trench. The whole thing's saturated. It's like just dropping a whole pool, you know? And sure enough, he prays, and what happens? Wham! Fire comes down, the whole thing's, I mean, it's unbelievable. Could you imagine all the tribes of Israel 10 tribes, all these people, you got 850 prophets, 850, and God has just shown himself that he is the true and living God. There is no other God. 
Elijah must have just sat back going, how good is this? How good is this? Not only that, I'm sure he's thinking, now they're all going to come to faith. Because, you know, we, we think of Elijah, we think of these guys as sort of superhuman. I'm sure his whole life he would have been sitting there begging people to come to know God and how hard it is when they don't. Verse 40 of the same chapter says, or let's go to 37. Elijah stands up and says, Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and wood and stones and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. You can see Elijah's heart. He wanted them to know God. Verse 39. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, he is, the God. He is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and executed them there. And then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up and ate and drank, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees, and there is the sound of something coming. And, and then he says to him in verse 44, Then it came to pass in the seventh time that he said, There is a cloud as small as the, a man man's hand rising up on the sea. So he said, Go up, go say to Ahab, Prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. As bad as Ahab was, Elijah's heart was to see him Get back to God. Now, in the mean, now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and the wind and there was heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah and he girded up his loins and ran a, ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. He wanted Ahab to come to faith. I'm sure he thought, They'll all believe. Here we go. Here is the culmination of my ministry. Finally, people are believing. Revival's going to happen. But now we get to the next chapter. The next chapter is going to tell us so, so much. So much about God, so much about us. Um... Elijah failed in his greatest strength. His greatest strength was courage. And, and be careful, people. We are strong in things, and we are weak in things. Understand, if you're going to rely on your strength, be very, very careful. It's not a good thing to do, because you will get hammered. Um, the Lord tells us when we are weak, then we are strong, because it's his strength that gets us through. So be very, very careful. 1 Kings chapter 19. Les, or um, Ben, can you put that up? Just going to show you, because we're going to have a, um, just want to show you geographically what it is, because what you see geographically is what can happen really in our hearts about distance from God. Okay. Mount Carmel. That's where you have this big scene with Elijah and the prophets, and the prophets of Baal, and he wins. He tells King Ahab, go to Jezreel. Jezreel's right around here, okay? So Elijah goes, and or Ahab goes, and Elijah goes. Next we're going to see something happens he was not expecting. He runs away, and he comes down to Beersheba. That's a long way to run, folks. That's a long way to run. And as we get through this, something else happens again, and he goes to Mount Horeb. Mount Horeb's down here in the Sinai Peninsula. It's a long way. This is about 140 kilometers. 
Beersheba down to here is 200 kilometers. That's a long way to run from God. That's distance. But we're going to see that's the distance we can do in our hearts when things happen that go very, very wrong. Okay, you can turn that off. Thanks, guys. But I wanted you to see the distance because you can read sort of places in the Bible and go, okay, he went to Jezreel and he went down to Beersheba. Well, that's not a big deal. It's, a, you know, it's like going from you know, my house, which is like four, houses, four lights away. Not that big a deal. That's a big deal. That's a big, big deal. Chapter 19. So, wow, Ahab's going back to his palace. He's going to tell everybody what God's done, how great this is going to be. Verse 1, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. I mean, all that Elijah had done. How miraculous this is. Also, how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. He's got rid of all the bad, and it's all going to be good. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. There's a death sentence. She's sending a letter saying, Elijah, you killed them. I'm going to kill you. That's not what he was expecting. I'm sure he's sitting there going, well, I, I've let Ahab go. God sent me to the entrance of the gate. I'm here. I can tell everybody what what's God's all about, and it, it goes terribly wrong. It goes terribly wrong. And man, sometimes in life, guys, things go terribly wrong that you're not expecting, that you think it's smooth sailing and all of a sudden something happens. Something happens. You're like, man, why me? Where'd this come from? And I can tell you, some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you know continually what I'm talking about. But I want us to see in this scripture we can learn a heck of a lot about ourselves and about God from this. So look what happens. There's a death sentence. It wasn't what he was expecting. In verse 3, and when he saw that, before he walked by faith, he went. And all of a sudden, he, it says he saw that. All of a sudden, he went by what he could see and not by faith. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. He decided to see the circumstances, and this is where it all went wrong. He arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba. That's like 140 kilometers way south. What a distance. Which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. There's no instruction from God to go to Beersheba. There's no instruction at all. All before this, he was doing exactly what God had asked him to do. And God did all of the rest. He let his thoughts and emotions get the better of him. That can happen to anyone. It's happened to me, and I'm sure it's happened to you, okay? Thoughts and emotions got the better of them instead of listening and relying on the Word of God. Because our thoughts I mean, and our emotions are crazy. They're crazy. Some of you guys are going, yeah, I know all about that. I, th I think all of us know all about that. So he runs away from his problem. There's a problem. He runs 140 kilometers south. That's physically. We can do this mentally, running away from a problem. Not only that, it tells us in verse 3, he left his servant there. He was alone. He got himself alone. That's so dangerous. Yet we all do it. We all do it. We need to face our problems. Because they're really probably not as bad as we think. You know? 
I can remember being a teenager and talking to my sisters about things. And I'm like, it's not that bad. But for me, it was. In my mind, it was. I think back now, 35 years later, yes, I'm that old. And I'm like, it's nothing. But at the time, it was real. And it always is real. But it's always in our minds worse than what we think. And Elijah did what a lot of us do. We, we isolate ourselves. Don't isolate yourself. Talk to someone. You know, I, I, I can tell you this because this is me. This is what I used to be. Uh, 17 years old, I went through a... You guys know a, a little bit about the, the, the running stuff. There was a, a heartache as well. And I can tell you, my sister would talk to me or my mother would talk to me. And, you know, they come in because they see things are wrong. You know, are you okay? I'm fine. What's wrong? Nothing. And you guys are all laughing because you're all the same. You know, nothing. There's nothing wrong. And, and the face goes down. And it's like, it's like, it's real. And, but what we decided, we just close in. We become alone. And this is what Elijah does. He didn't have to do this. There's so much to learn from this. Talk to someone. It's really not as bad as you think. But then it goes from bad to worse for Elijah. Verse 4. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life for I am no better than my father's. Wow. He not only goes to Beersheba, he then goes into the wilderness and gets really alone. Because Beersheba is a, a city. There's people there. But he decides, I'm going to take it further. I'm going to go even darker. I'm going to be totally alone. And he sits down and prays, and he, say, he, he prayed that he might die. Wow. Wow. A man with a heart for people to see them come to the Lord and yet he and that's a reality for people. I can remember as a teenager one time I'm driving down the road and I went, I could put my car into a tree right now. I didn't, thankfully. But these things can happen. And I'm sure there are people in here who've done that as well. It's a reality. But it wasn't as bad as it what it was. And when I did that, I was sort of this person who went into the wilderness, totally alone, closed down, closed down. Let yourself be more open. But he wanted to die. And then he said, it, it is enough. I've had enough. Take my life, for I am no better than my father's. I am useless. That's what happens when you close in. I'm no good. I'm useless. I, I've had enough. I've had enough. And uh, it's, it's tough. This is a reality. And this happens in our world. This happens in people's lives. But I want you to see, I want you to see what happens in this whole story. Because God is so much better He's in the life business. You know? He's in the life business. He goes to a very, very dark place, and this can happen. The rest of the story is absolutely mind-blowing. What God will do. If you do not have a Bible with you right now, go get one because you need to see these words. These words, so clear, so clear, so clear. Because the next bit is hope, it's love, it's God. He knows when we're in those situations. You guys never thought this was going to be this this heavy this morning, did you? I've struggled all week with this. This is hard. Verse 5, 
Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and, and said to him, Arise and eat. God doesn't answer Elijah's prayer to die. I, I, I love this. I absolutely love this. Elijah wanted to die. Elijah's one of the few people in the Bible who never does. Do you see how good God is? He is unbelievable. God wants to give you life. He's one of the few people who never dies. Could you imagine what it was like in his brain as he took that whirlwind up? Thinking back in his life and going, thank you God for not answering my prayer. What a man, a man of prayer, a man who could, who, the book of James tells us he was so awesome, but he was just like us. Just like us, it tells us. He could stop the rain. He started the rain. He can heal someone from death. And yet, a prayer like this, God says, no, no, because that's not in my will. My will is that you live. How good is God that he never let Elijah die. Wow. 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 Uh, if that doesn't tell you a lot about God, it, nothing will. That is awesome. Awesome. Elijah didn't know his future. We don't know our future, but God does. God sends an angel to minister to him. He didn't leave him hanging. He gives him food. He gives him rest. There's something fundamental I want you guys to, to know. You don't have to go there. I'm just going to read it. First John tells us this. In verse 8. For God is love. That's who he is. It's fundamental to who he is. That should be something you should know to the depths of your soul, to the depths of your spirit, that he is love, that he loves you, and he loves Elijah. And then he says this in verse 9, in this the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. The fundamental thing of God's love is that he sent Jesus Christ to die on a cross for all our wrong, all our wrong, that we might live, that we might live. And it says through him, not through any efforts of mine, but through him. It's, I, I, I stagger when I think about how sinful I am. And here is Elijah who said, I'm no better than my fathers. I am no good, I am no good. And I can sympathize with that. I can totally recognize that. I am no good. And you're in good company. I'm in good company because the Apostle Paul said the same thing. I'm the greatest of sinners. I'm the greatest of sinners. But that Jesus came. God manifested his love and sent his son to die in my place. It is staggeringly unbelievable. Why? Because God is love. Because he's love. <laughs> And he cares for us, that we might live. Elijah wanted to die. God said no. Verse 7. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time. How good is that? And touched him and said, arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. God's not angry at him for wanting to die. God's not angry at him at all. God sends his angel twice to minister to him. And then he, he, he totally gets in there and is like, it's too great. And you know what? The journey is too great. It's way too great. It's too great for you and I. Jesus would tell us, and I actually went on the Calvary Chapel Sydney website in the beginning of this. This is exactly what is on there. Jesus said, come to me. 
all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's too heavy. And that's why Jesus says, yeah, I agree with you. It's too heavy. Give it to me. Give it to me. It's not yours to carry. It's his to carry. And we need to recognize that as well. Give it to him. And I can tell you, when I do that, gee, things get a lot better. Things get a lot better. But I'm dumb. I'm more dumb than you guys. Sometimes I take it back, and sometimes it happens again. I'm sitting there going, oh, it's mine to take, mine to carry, you know? Jackie's sitting there going, you don't, you don't understand the half of how much he takes back. Man. It's like he's giving me a brain, but I just don't get it. But come to him. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. Come on. Bring it in. Because it is too heavy. It's too great for you. So verse 8, he arose and ate and drank, and he went in his strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. God provides for him, does all the stuff for him, and then he goes from Jezreel, and he goes like 300 Ks down to Mount Horeb. Now, do you know what Mount Horeb is? Another word for Mount Horeb is Mount Sinai, where Moses goes up in the mountain and gets the Ten Commandments and, and all this stuff. And we, we don't know why he's there. The scripture tells us nothing except for he keeps heading south. It's mind-blowing. I don't know why he's there. Maybe he thought, well, you know, maybe Moses found God there. Maybe I'll find God there, you know. Or maybe that this is where the law was given. Maybe I'll have a better understanding of the law there because I've been doing all these powerful sermons and no one seems to be coming. I had this great thing on Mount Carmel and now they want to kill me. God, I'm just doing what you asked me to do. I don't know, maybe I need to learn how to do something. And isn't that just like all of us? I got to do something to please God. You guys aren't like me, are you? I got to do something to please God. You don't. The only way to please God is by what? It's faith. Hebrews tells us it's faith. But we overcomplicate it. So he runs away even further. He gets to an even darker place because verse 9 tells us this. And there he went into a cave, which could possibly be a cleft of the rock, but he goes into a cave. Now, if you've ever been in a cave without a light, you can't even see your hand. So physically he's there. Emotionally and spiritually he's there. He's in a dark, dark place. But God's still patient with him because God still loves him. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. The word of God. The word of God comes. Wow. The word of God living and powerful. We're going to learn about this in our, in our Newcastle trip. Again, I can't encourage you enough to get into the Word of God yourselves. Just being here, you're learning. Just being here, you're learning. Going to a Bible study, you're learning. When you open up the Word of God, or even if it's just someone in your, in your house you want to read with, just read it. I can tell you I had a guy who came to my study years and years ago, and he was in a dark place. He was in a very dark place. And he came to my side. I never met him before. And I was like, how the heck do I deal with this? I'm not prepared for this. I, 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 I don't know. But we just started opening up the Bible. And he would sit there. Guys, I'm literally, 
he'd have a cup of coffee, and his his he he anxiety he is he's way shaking more than I got water in here, so I don't want to spill it. He was a nervous wreck. He was absolutely trembling. And within 10 to 15 minutes of just reading the Bible, going in the study, his hand becomes steady. His emotions become calm. His spirit takes rest. And his life is a miracle. Because that's what the Word of God does. It wasn't me. And I didn't even know, I didn't even know at the time how powerful the Word of God was myself. And he's just changing in front of my eyes. And we're sitting there afterwards going, did you, did you, did you just see that? I'm like, yeah, I, I saw that. I, I, I don't know what happened. That was the word of God. It just does it. It just does it. It changes you. It actually is true. But the word of God comes to him in verse 9. The Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? This isn't a rebuke. This is just getting in the talk. And so many times when we're depressed, or depression comes in a dark place, the last thing that we want to do is talk. But God just says, What are you doing here, Elijah? And I love it that he calls him Elijah, personal, right there. He knows. He knows. So Elijah said to him, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel, and forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. He talked. He talked. Some of it was true, some of it wasn't. Some of it was blown up in his mind a bit more than what it should be. But that was okay. He just talked. He talked. And we don't see God rebuke him. We don't see God saying, that's silly. Don't be so foolish. Which is what I would say. You know? God just lets him speak. Because God will deal with this. Verse 10. So what does God respond? Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountain and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And in verse 12, and after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire... A still, small voice. The Hebrews call this the sound of sheer silence. God's not in the awesome. Elijah had performed the awesome. And we think if only if only, if only, and that's what we need, the awesome. But God wanted Elijah to know something. He's in the still, small voice. This is so important. This is the most important. Because you can learn, and you can get your brain filled with facts of God, and you can get your heart filled with the things of God. But this is the thing that changes everything. This is what you actually need. This is exactly what Elijah needed. It was his presence. It was the presence of God. The still, small voice. He's not in the chaos. And oftentimes it's the chaos of our brain. It's the chaos of what's going on. It's the chaos of having entertainment, the chaos of having to, to go to study and learn and listen and, and all these things go on, the radio's on and the TV's on. And then when that's quiet, 
your brain's on and your brain doesn't stop and it's all going on. He says, no, it's in the sheer silence. This is a tender moment. This is a moment of peace. That's why Jesus said, he's the prince of peace. He's the prince of peace. He's, he was everything we need. He's everything we need. It's the sheer silence. It's when the chaos gets overcome by the Prince of Peace because it changes everything. I cannot stress enough. When, when you just get alone, God talk to me. God talk to me. And when it happens, wow, wow. It's like nothing. It is like nothing. Because you're infilled, you're infused with him. You're amazed by him. Because it's him. It's him. Seriously. It's, it, there, there's nothing else. And I think everybody in here knows it. But like Elijah, we're so busy and we're so confused by things going wrong and whatever. The tenderness, the quietness, just the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. When, when, you, when you read those things, they actually are true. They actually are true and they blow you away, and they blew him away. It was unbelievable what God, do you see what God's doing here? Here's a man in utter despair, in utter distress, depressed beyond depression to the point of death, and God is coming right after him because he loves him, because he loves him. The still, small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it. He heard it. Look at his response. He wrapped his face in a mantle. That's called humility. That's called, I know God's here. Peter would sit there and go, away from me, for I'm, uh, I'm a man of unclean lips. Jesus didn't run away from him, because he doesn't run away from him. That was okay. Complete humility. And he went out and stood by the entrance of the cave. Oh my goodness. He just went from the, to the darkest of darks and he took a step to come out in the light. Wow. That's awesome. Take the step into the light. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Second time. This isn't a rebuke because he doesn't really rebuke him. Look what happens again. And he said, he, re, he says the same thing. Elijah says, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because of the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They've torn down your altars and killed your prophets with a sword. I alone am left and they seek my life. There's something about just asking the same questions and letting people talk. Letting them talk, just getting it out sometimes helps. Just get it out. And verse 15, then the Lord said to him, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. I want you to go back. Come on, let's get back. You run away from your problem, let's go face your problems. And when you arrive, anoint Hazael as king over Syria. And you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And Elijah, the son of Shebat, Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. And it shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, Jehu will kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, 
all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. God gives him something to do. That's it. Gives him something to do. You don't need to keep in that place. Just go do something. You know? We look at it going, this is incredible. He's got to anoint anoint kings. He's got to anoint Elisha. He just gives him something to do. He gets his eyes off of himself and says, I want you to get your eyes on me and go do. And that's what happens with depression. We get, it looks at, it's all, it's, it, you look at me, you look at your problems. And God's like, I understand them. He's not saying they're not real. He just says, I want you to follow me. I want you to look at me. Look at me. Look at, and you think about all the interactions that God's done here. How, how awesome is this? This still small voice. I want you to do something. And he would say the same thing to us. Stop looking at yourself. Hey, look at me. Open your Bible and read. Ask some. You can't do it. Ask someone to read for you. Show up. Help others. You know? I, I've often told people who, who are struggling with things, you know, it's like, oh, this is going wrong. Go to church and just serve. You'll see things will change. They'll be different. Because you'll find out they're just as screwed up as you are. If you talk to me, you'll find out I'm more screwed up than you are. But God's good. But he encourages them. And in the end of verse 18, he says, you're not alone. You say, you think you're alone. You're not. I've got 7,000. 7,000. How could Elijah miss 7,000? How could he do that? But that's what we're like. We look at ourselves and think, it's only me. No one else is going through this. It's only me. It's only me. No, you're wrong. There are others. There are others. That was just a think of encouragement. Elijah, get your eyes on me. So verse 19 So he departed from there. He took a step of faith. In chapter 17 and 18, we saw God asking to do something. He did it. Verse 17, he's doing everything without God. But God's still passionate for him. God still loves him. And God just comes in and says, wants to do something. He he took a step of faith. (sighs) Because faith accesses grace. It does. He took a step of faith and found Elisha. Elisha became his friend. And it's good to have friends. Friends can help you through difficult times. The still, small voice changed everything for Elijah. But did you know his circumstances never changed? He still had a hit on his head. Jezebel still wanted to kill him. His circumstances never changed. But it was the battle of the mind, and his mind changed when God, when he, re, when he received God in a still small voice. Everything changed, yet nothing changed. That's the most amazing thing about this. That God helps him, and God helps you, and God helps me. He took a step of faith. This was hard for me. This is really hard for me this week. Because I know that there are some in here who struggle, who struggle, who have struggled, or even will struggle with this sort of stuff, you know? But you're not alone. God's here. He's right here. I actually, I'll tell you something. I was praying last night. I woke up at 430 And I'm like, I'm uncomfortable. And I'm sort of getting worrisome. 
and I'm sort of turning into Elijah. Like the whole thing's living out, playing out in front of me. And then I sat there and I went, all right, God, I need to hear your voice because this is the only way it's ever going to change. And I said, come on, you know, do this. And he, and he just said, he just told me, I'm here. It changed everything. It changes everything, the still small voice. And all it was was, I'm here. And guys, he's here. He's here. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I, I thank you for the story. Because you don't, you don't gloss over things. Elijah's depression, Elijah's will and desire to die was real. Yet you love, you care, you overcome. You're the prince of peace. You provide that peace that surpasses all understanding. I pray this morning, firstly, if there's anyone here who has never received Jesus Christ, understand this, your sin, the things that you have done wrong have separated you from God. But he doesn't want you to be separated. He loves you so much he sent his son to come and die in your place. And if you will believe that, if you would believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, that the Bible tells us you will be saved. You will be saved. So I, 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 oh, I implore you that you would come to him for his yoke is easy, his burden is light. If you are a believer and, and you've gone down a track there, you're in a dark place, think about some of the things that we were shown in Scripture this morning, how much God loves you, how much God chases you, how much God wants to restore you, how much God wants to fill you and talk with you and be with you. After the service, if, if you want to just sit and, and talk with him, feel free. If you want to come and ask someone to pray for you, there'll, there'll be some people up front to do that. Um, but we thank you, God. We thank you that you love us all. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.